When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest updates from the world of sports, gambling, and pop culture. Because you can't have a show without hot takes or a Tiger King meme these days. Know what I'm saying? Now, with over 200 episodes and ready to get after it again, here's your host, Dwayne Callender. Good evening. Welcome to the show, everyone. It is late on Sunday night, uh, so most of you will be getting this uh, come Monday morning. But uh, it's just a wild weekend of sports uh, with Colin Morikawa winning the PGA Championship with a uh, 64 final round score. Uh, t- technically the lowest weekend score ever in a major history. So at uh, 23, uh, we have... Uh, uh, a new uh, star in golf. I mean, the cut streak that he had uh, that nearly mirrored Tigers already propelled him into golf circles. But now this is more of a national media story with uh, his victory. So uh, congrats to Morikawa. My PGA uh, uh, DFS lineups did not fare nearly as well uh, based off of everything that transpired this weekend. But I I was underweight on Morikawa, so... Uh, yeah, if you're not getting the winner and he's over chalk with uh, 20% ownership, uh, bad things are going to happen to you. So uh, it is what it is, but uh, we move on uh, and move on to something that I wasn't even prepared to talk about. But again, it is the Houston Astros. Once again, the Houston Astros starting up something that shouldn't be happening in baseball you got another uh, benches clearing incident involving the Astros. This time, uh, it is with the Oakland A's. Uh, previously, it was in their uh, rematch with the Dodgers uh, to kind of start off the year that resulted in Joe Kelly getting an eight-game suspension for not actually hitting anyone but throwing well behind Astros players because MLB wanting to protect the Astros above all else is going to punish teams that throw at the Astros. That's just the bottom line. So, to preface what happened between the Astros and the A's earlier today, uh, A's outfielder Ramon Laureano was hit for the third time in a three-game series. The A's as a whole had been hit five times in the series. No Astros players were hit or thrown at. Again, because of... Everyone knowing Major League Baseball is out to protect the Astros above all else. So what you have here is Loreano gets hit by a curveball in the back. Okay. And it's the, uh, the second time by the same rookie uh, pitcher, Castellanos. So Loreano starts talking to him about uh, gesturing how to throw a curveball since the kid, uh, uh, you know, you could say he didn't mean to hit him, but Technically, it's a control thing, and, you know, Loreano was giving them some, you know what, and, you know, they're going back, uh, they're doing a little jabbing back and forth, Uh, Maldonado steps in between, plays Peacemaker, but, you know, I'm going to describe what happens next from the clip. So, Alex Cintron, yeah, Alex Cintron, the Astros hitting coach, Starts chirping at Loriano, waves him on to to come to come to come at him. Then uh, ducks behind a, a couple other Astros players as they tackle Loriano. So you got five Astros players on Loriano. Then all of the A's teammates, uh, uh, his A's teammates uh, for Loriano come in, and so now you got thirty people in the middle of a pandemic, all near each other. Because the Astros are being dicks. Bottom line, should Loriano charge 
charge the Astros dugout? No, it's a dumb thing to do. But again, you got hot-tempered athletes and a coach who is supposed to know better. He is not an active player. He is a coach. He is supposed to be managing. He's a hitting coach. He has nothing to do with this. Why is a hitting coach yelling at an opposing player to shut up? And then, uh, well, we don't even know what he said. Uh, the the, the uh, MLB has uh, suspiciously uh, gone out of their way not to uh, uh, pull up the feed of what the audio was. Uh, so I'm waiting for Joe Boy to... Uh, uh, John Boy to uh, come up with uh, the actual audio because we're going to find out what Cintron actually said because we we all know that Cintron because he got caught on video was waving him on to come after him. They, they you know they uh, they were he was waving him on and that's the bottom line uh, of what uh, what was precipitating Loriano's decision to charge uh, the dugout because. Again, a hitting coach was begging a player to come charge at him. And then, you know, didn't charge at the player, kind of hid behind all of his uh, uh, players uh, uh, bl- blocking Loriano. This is beyond stupid. It, it is idiotic. It just reckless. In the middle of a pandemic, obviously MLB has strict protocols on not having uh, bench-clearing brawls. These <laughs> like... This is the least likely outcome. Uh, the Astros got swept in this series. But beyond that, the A's are in first place in the AL West. So they're going to lose Loriano for uh, minimum because if Joe Kelly got eight games for not even throwing at an Astros player, I got to think he's getting 10 at a minimum for charging the dugout. We'll see uh, because MLB punishment has been sketchy to say the least in terms of how they're uh, doing the enforcements this year. But I got to think Loriano's getting 10. But by all means, Centron has to get a minimum of 15 games. I, I, I originally said 10, but realistically, when you, uh, depending on what gets said on that mic, the fact that he was a- actively egging on the play, the more I thought about this tonight, the more I got annoyed. Because, again, why are you instigating a fight? And you're a coach. You're actually supposed to be above this. Now, for those of you who are as, uh, thinking, well, Dusty Baker is now the manager of the Astros. What was Dusty Baker doing? Dusty Baker had already been ejected from the game for arguing balls and strikes. So Dusty Baker is in the clubhouse uh, and not even involved. Dusty Baker, after the game to a reporter, said that he hadn't spoken to Centron yet. I don't know. Maybe that probably should have been the first thing that uh, Dusty did. And I like Dusty. He tried to protect his guys. But, you know, obviously Dusty talked to Cintron after the game and seeing what happened. So D- Dusty's trying to protect his guy there. But th- this is absurd. You know, the Astros accept no responsibility for anything that they do. And MLB precipitated this because the Astros got no punishments for the issue with the, uh, the Dodgers because they, without question, the, uh, the, that situation should have been avoided if not for the, uh, if not for the Astros uh, escalating the situation with the Dodgers. And because of how the punishments worked out, teams are l- much more uh, less likely to throw at the Astros. But it's given free reign for the Astros to go after uh, players on the opposing side because now they don't have to worry about the retaliation. This is why MLB is in a complete another mess right now. Because no one knows what the leadership structure is. And their perception is that there are certain teams that are just protected beyond reproach. They talk about it with the Astros. They say it with the Yankees too. Uh, you know, you, you've got, you essentially have a caste system in place. Where people actually believe that certain teams are untouchable right now. All right, moving on, and I, I'm I'm watching this on Twitter. I, I I swear, I really need to stay off Twitter. Some of y'all are just out there. I just don't understand. So Drew Dinkmeyer, uh, uh, former, uh, well, I mean, he's still current uh, DFS pro. Uh, f- uh, I I was saying a former Millie uh, DraftKings uh, Millie Maker winner. 
so he's won the million dollar contest on DraftKings. I mean, he plays professionally all the time, but uh, you know, he explains, you know, how difficult it is playing DFS golf sometimes. So, uh, Millie Maker contest in DFS this week was uh, $20 entry. So, uh, you know, when you're a top player or a bankroll like Drew, you're going to max out your entries uh, because that's the optimal way to play. Uh, and you're going to max and max out all 150 entries. Uh, you know, I talk about this all the time in terms of bankroll management. You know, in terms of the large contest, yeah, you could throw a couple of uh, lineups in there, but realistically, you're that's not the optimal play. The optimal play is to max out your entries, uh, just giving you the full breadth of ranges of things to kind of play off of, and then you, you employ your individual strategies. So, Drew. Uh, basically pointed out how difficult it is uh, to make money. And his tweet was, you know, I locked in Tony Finau this week at 7,900 in salary. And, you know, I had Finau in a bunch of lineups too. Finau ended up tied for fourth. But, you know, he maxed out his entry. So he had $3,000 allocated to the Millie Maker contest alone. His return value for all 150 entries, he only had 63 plays, and his total uh, his total haul from that, from a gross standpoint, uh, was just over $2,500. Out of the $3,000 uh, he had paid in entry fees. So, by that math, for those of you on Twitter... <laughs> Twitter, Twitter, like I, I, I know some of y'all are trying to troll, but like there are people who actually believe that uh, that Drew made money tonight. Uh, some of them are not getting it. Uh, Drew lost five hundred dollars uh, on this tournament over the weekend. He did not make twenty five hundred. There are some of you being facetious about this, and there are some of you who actually believe he won twenty five hundred. Because he, uh, you know, once that 3000 entered, you've lost that money. Like, some people actually think that way, that you've already lost the money, and then you just won back 2500 No, Drew lost $500 on uh, on the PJ tournament. I told you, it was a difficult tournament uh, to kind of scale and get right. Uh, you know, I, like I said, I did not have a great run of things. Uh, and, you know, similar to... Uh, similar to what Drew was pointing out, you know, I felt good about some of my lineups. Uh, you know, it just, these things, uh, uh, these things just did not actually, uh, pan out because, uh, you know, the certain formations, uh, didn't work out, but yes, uh, Drew's right. It is very difficult sometimes to make money. Uh, even, uh, when you're as good as Drew is, uh, you know, he lost uh, 50%. He did not win 2500 He lost just uh, just under $500. He did not win 2500 That's not how this works, people. You actually have to use bankroll management. I know some of you are being jo- uh, facetious and joking around. There are other people who do not seem to get this, and that's how you end up having Gamblers Anonymous hotlines because people can't understand that you can't have losing weeks and why you can't uh, bankroll management is so key. So again, I got off on a tangent here, but you know, just seeing some of those tweets, just, I got to shake my head. All right. So uh, let's talk about uh, what I was watching tonight, which was game five of the, uh, and the final qualifier match of the uh, NHL bubble Stanley cup playoff whatever you want to call this, because uh, th- this this is going to be and ends up being a very bizarre uh, playoff uh, stretch, to say the least, because we've already had the Pittsburgh Penguins eliminated, the Edmonton Oilers eliminated, and now the Toronto Maple Leafs have been eliminated all higher seats. So you had teams that would have never made the playoffs that are now in the opening round of the playoffs, because they won their qualifying matchups. 
Chicago, well out of the playoffs. Uh, made the playoffs. Arizona, out of the playoffs. Gonna be uh, uh, gonna be playing uh, as well. So, you know, again, some of these teams, you could say that uh, this is a uh, you know an unfair uh, critique of uh, this new playoff format, but realistically, some of these matchups had no business being lost. There's no way the Penguins should be losing to the Canadiens. I'm sorry. That one is inexcusable. Edmonton, I I did not like uh, very much, uh, to to be perfectly blunt. That that one did not surprise me nearly as much as other people pointed out because Edmonton's defense was always suspect, in my opinion, and when you have a suspect defense, sooner or later that catches up with you uh, in uh, in certain matchups, and you know, it just happened to be uh, the case that they drew up against a Chicago team that was playing hot. Uh, but you know, as it stands, uh, uh, you you got <laughs> this is uh, this is uh, interesting and interestingly enough, you've got a uh, Arizona team that is now going to be playing Vegas, who ended up with the overall number one seed, as opposed to uh, at Colorado or uh, St. Louis, who were ranked higher than Vegas. But, hey, you know, the round robin played out where the, the teams that were at the top, the Bruins ended up, at the, uh, ended up being the four, as well as the Blues. They ended up being four. You know, things happen. So now... You've got a stretch where uh, the Blues are ending up. Uh, uh, the the Blues are going to be ending up uh, in a in a spot where I actually kind of like their chances. I like the Blues playing the Canucks. To me, that's uh, that's uh, that's actually playing more to St. Louis's style. So I actually like uh, the Blues. Uh, uh, playing the Canucks, Vegas playing Chicago. Vegas is a, is a very much an open style format that actually plays more towards uh, uh, what Chicago wants to do anyway. So that's not exactly an easier draw uh, for uh, for Vegas uh, being the number one seed. Uh, you know, again, uh, the playoffs this year are going to end up uh, reseeding. Uh, throughout, but I, I I saw that off the bat, and I'm like, okay, that's not exactly uh, the craziest thing. Uh, now, Coyotes Avalanche, you know, ill. Uh, I I I like uh, I like Colorado in that one, uh, ju- just from the standpoint of Arizona. I thought they benefited from. And I'll be frank, I, I'm less than impressed with uh, uh, I'm less than impressed with what Nashville had to offer this year as a whole. So to me, that that matchup uh, played uh, uh, played more in in terms of uh, their favor. But uh, yeah, having some of these uh, teams get bounced early, you, we we've got some first round matchups where I'm just scratching my head. It's like. Philly versus Canadiens, uh, to me, that that's a that's a straight. I I'd be surprised uh, unless uh, Carey Price, uh, the goaltender of Canadiens, could steal a game or two. I'd be shocked that that doesn't end up as a sweep. The Pens, for some reason, came out so flat out of the bubble. I don't, I don't really know what to make of uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, as a, as of this moment. Uh, it, it is uh, it is a bit of a head scratching defeat. Even more head scratching uh, was in terms of uh, Toronto tonight. In a game five, they had a miracle comeback uh, for the ages to force a game five because Toronto was down three nothing with four minutes left to go Friday night, 
and somehow manage to force overtime and get the game winner and come out as flat as they did tonight against Columbus. I I really don't understand this. I really don't. It, it is inconceivable. So now you're looking at this is the list of names that are of hockey players that are not moving on into the playoffs. Crosby, McDavid, Austin Matthews, Tavares, uh, Mitch Marner, Malkin, uh, you get uh, Leon Draisaitl, Philip Forsberg, Roman Yossi, Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberdo. You know these are some big names. You know again, the eliminations. I, I mean, I you, you can't you can't put a finger on this. Like before play had stopped. The Penguins making the first round were at a 99% chance. The Oilers were 95%. They're gone. Toronto was in the, uh, I think they were at like 92%. Gone. You know, again, it's just beyond bizarre what's happened with the NHL. And yes, it's an entirely different season. But man, the the fact that uh, you've got as uh, and I'm, I'm just saying it point blank. The, the fact that you've got as much chaos going on uh, in the league right now is exemplified by what's going to happen uh, Monday 6 p.m. Where the overall number one pick, overall number one pick, is going to one of these teams that got knocked out of the first round of the playoffs. Because hockey, even though the worst teams in hockey had a greater proportion share of a chance to get the number one uh, seed. So Ottawa had a 25% chance of uh, getting the number one seed. Uh, Next up was was, uh, Detroit... Uh, they had about an 18% chance. I mean, the bubble teams were literally only going to be about an 8%. Not not even 8%. I think it was like a 4% chance. Uh, because, again, these were the teams that just missed the cusp of the playoffs. And somehow, the way the draft lottery panned out, it ended up going to the bubble team. So, technically... Uh, the, the running joke was the Rangers were the inside scoop to uh, land Alexis Lafreniere in the air uh, heading into the bubble because, you know, the Rangers weren't necessarily expected to win uh, their first-round matchup against uh, Carolina. But, you know, the league was going to fix it so that the Rangers' uh, restart would benefit uh, because, you know, we all go by conspiracy theories uh, that the Rangers would get the benefit of the doubt from the league. Now, you got a situation where the Penguins could get the number one pick. The Penguins. Really? Edmonton, who's had more first-round picks. I mean, top four first-round picks. I I think Edmonton had like a a stretch of seven out of the eight years. They had a top three first-round pick. Insanity. Uh, or you got Toronto, who doesn't even need more help. Like, Toronto getting eliminated tonight. Again, when you have as much talent as Toronto, and you get bounced by a Columbus team that lost uh, Panarin to the Rangers, uh, Bobrovsky, who I, you know, I can live without as a goalie, but Bobrovsky got Florida into the playoffs. You know, whether, whether you uh, uh, thought he, he was the difference maker or not, he did get... Florida into uh, the playoffs uh, or qualifier, I should say, uh, by and large, with lesser talent on that team because they were already sellers. Uh, bizarrely enough, you bring in Bobrovsky, but then you start selling off the team. Uh, you know, again, uh, I, I don't try to understand Panthers logic, but you know, the fact that you have three teams that were Stanley Cup favorites. Get bounced in the qualifier round. Not round one. The qualifier round. And those three teams each have an equal uh, percentage t- chance. Because all eight teams that got bounced 
So you're talking uh, the uh, talking uh, the Maple Leafs, the Pens, uh, the Oilers, the Rangers, Panthers, Predators. Who else am I forgetting? Uh, man, it's like uh, uh, Winnipeg. Uh, yeah, Winnipeg, uh, Winnipeg and uh, Minnesota. Uh, yeah, the Wild. You know, all eight of those teams have an equal shot at Alexis Lafreniere. Some of those teams actually need, like, team that probably needs him the most, Minnesota. Minnesota is desperate to actually get an offensive talent like that because they've squandered so many opportunities at bringing in offensive talent. Minnesota is the team most in need of Lafreniere. I mean, could the Rangers use him? Yeah, the Rangers absolutely could use him because they lack forward depth. Uh, as much as people want to talk about the Rangers uh, spending money this offseason, the Rangers had so many holes to fill, they needed to spend money. Uh, but, uh, yeah, in terms of teams that absolutely need him right now, yeah, I'd say Minnesota and probably the Rangers in terms of top-line scoring. Teams that absolutely do not need a number one pick, Oilers, Maple Leafs, Penguins. Bottom line, they're like none of those teams should even be in the running for uh, the overall number one pick, but that's how uh, they set up the system. I mean, I'm sure the NHL wasn't envisioning a scenario where uh, uh, two of their biggest uh, Canadian teams would be bounced uh, and Sidney Crosby would be going home. Before round one. And not technically make the play. Again. Technically the NHL playoffs. Start now. Like This was the opening round. Uh, this was a qualifier round. So the real playoffs. Technically start now. Because now all the top seeds are playing in the playoffs now. But this is just. A bizarre period. And the fact that somebody at 6 o'clock. That probably had no business being anywhere near a number one pick is going to get it. I, I just shake my head. My bet, if I were betting money on it, it, you know, the pens somehow end up with them, you know, just to help out the rebuild with Crosby and, and, uh, and Malkin, you know, everyone's thinking it. I mean, we've been tweeting about it all weekend long. So that's where my head's at. It's going to be the penguins. But man, you know, the potential of uh, the Oilers or um, even uh, Toronto uh, landing uh, land, landing the number one pick. I mean, that's that's big. Uh, you know, very disappointing uh, uh, flame out uh, in the qualifier rounds. Uh, but uh, again, a lot of uh, potential for uh, significant. Uh, it increases because of what uh, what's been going on. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. But uh, from an NHL standpoint, uh, you know, a lot of star power went away early. I, I'm I'm curious to see how the ratings hold up over the time in the bubble because uh, so, some of these uh, bigger teams that were expected to go far going out this early probably is going to impact ratings more negatively uh, than expected uh, right now. Uh, you know, that's just my initial take on it. But, hey, you got you got to play, and some of these teams uh, just did not execute what they needed to do uh, to get past the qualifier round. And, again, credit to some of these other teams for working hard. I mean, Chicago uh, worked hard. I mean, Columbus, they did – such great uh, work uh, down in the trenches uh, along the boards. Uh, you know, they made life absolutely miserable for Toronto. And so while Toronto fired Bob Babcock on the rationale that it's Babcock who couldn't get him over the hump because he was too old school, they went full analytics and did worse. I'm just saying there, there are cases to be made that there are other things extenuating beyond whether or not you're employing a pure analytical approach as to uh, you're running your operations. Sometimes it does come down to individual personnel and, you know, chemistry. And right now, 
I have to question what uh, Toronto has because they were not on for way too much of the, uh, this series and went out with a whimper uh, in the biggest game of the year. There's just no other way of saying it. It's, you know, as bluntly as that, it's like they did not show up for their elimination game after you know rallying uh, at the at the dying embers of Game Four to have nothing in the tank for Game Five. It, you know, can't happen, but it did happen. So uh, we'll see how the NHL uh, draft lottery plays out. Uh, you know, if the Rangers get the pick, obviously I'll be doing cartwheels. But uh, I'm not expecting it to happen with some of the big names that unexpectedly dropped into uh, the running this year. I, I think it's uh, it's definitely going to one of those three teams. Uh, but uh, my, my odds-on pick would be uh, Pittsburgh uh, to get the overall number one pick. I'm going to take a quick break uh, for a moment here uh, uh, while we get some advertising. Don't. Go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, switching gears over to the NBA and life inside the bubble. First off, Luka Doncic, 19 assists over the weekend to go along with his uh, triple-double Saturday night. Just absolute brilliance. And again, uh, you know, we're going to get to see Doncic uh, in the playoffs. We don't know how the seedings are going to exactly line up. Most likely, it will be a matchup against the Clippers, but uh, still to be determined. But, uh, you know, whoever the Mavericks match up with, man, they're going to have their hands full. Uh, That's all I could say about that dude, because uh, the performance he uh, he, uh, had against uh, Giannis and the Bucks, you know, that's what the NBA needs moving forward in terms of rivalries. What the NBA doesn't need are some of the clownish stuff that we saw uh, yesterday between the Clippers and Trailblazers. So, uh, flashback to yesterday, uh, you had uh, the Clippers uh, playing uh, Trailblazers. Uh, the Blazers are down one. Uh, uh, Damian Lillard uh, is at the line for the Blazers, and... Misses both free throws uh, to the shock of uh, uh, pretty much everyone in the building. But after he misses the free throws, the Blazers go on to lose the game. But after he misses the free throws, you've got Patrick Beverly and Paul George, mind you, both mocking uh, Lillard uh, and his Dame Time celebration, you know, acting as though they've set the world on fire. Patrick Beverly wasn't even playing in the game. Now, again, I don't understand the rationale of taunting a dude when, you know, and after the game, it, it was it was bizarre because the Clippers seemed to be under the impression that they had eliminated the Trailblazers from the playoffs. The way the playoffs work in the NBA bubble this year is that there's going to be a playing game between the 8th and the ninth seed. So the Trailblazers still had not been eliminated from the playoffs yet. So that's not true. You pissed off Lillard, who went back and went back hard after Paul George on Twitter, talking about Paul George keeps jumping teams trying to chase that ring, and that uh, uh, the Clippers are realistic, uh, are in reality just scared of playing, having to play the Blazers. You know, it's... It's a bizarre situation because, again, the Clippers are acting as though they were world beaters. The uh, the Clippers were in danger of losing that game. And, you know, again, I don't quite understand the rationale of uh, celebrating as if you uh, uh, dominated a group and sent, uh, sent home a, a potential playoff rival 
when you guys weren't even playing in the game. It, it just, A, I know Kawhi doesn't operate that way, but B, it, it just makes you look soft in general. So, blast forward to uh, today's game. Uh, Joel Embiid gets injured for the Sixers. The Sixers reserves put on a hell of an effort, almost not, uh, beat the Blazers, but Lillard turns it up in the fourth quarter, starts dropping a couple uh, three-pointers, puts up 51 points, and leads the Blazers to, uh, to a comeback victory. And the way it lines up, is that uh, the Grizzlies lost, uh, and also you had a loss by the Suns, so the Pelicans also lost as well. So the Pelicans were officially eliminated from the playoffs along with uh, the Kings. But uh, uh, the reality of the situation is with two games left, here's how it breaks down. The Grizzlies, in a uh, place, they uh, are... Uh, Obviously, they're in eighth, but they've got two games left. They've got to play the Celtics and the Bucks, both of whom are going to be resting starters. So the Grizzlies should be able to take care of business. They haven't really been playing all that great in the bubble as far as I'm concerned, but uh, they should have a, a shot at uh, uh, still holding on to that eighth seed. The, uh, in ninth, you've got the Trailblazers, uh, who are half game back, they play. Uh, they play uh, the uh, uh, Mavericks and uh, the Nets in their remaining games. The Spurs, who are one game back, they play Houston again, most likely the resting starters, and the Jazz. And then in eleventh, you got the Suns, who are a game and a half back. They they still have three games left. They're playing. OKC, the 76ers, who, again, have lost Joel Embiid to a sprained ankle, so we don't know what Embiid's status is going to be, and the Mavericks, who, again, are going to be resting starters. This is still wide open. Like, the, the Grizzlies are not out of the woods yet, and, you know, they need to be able to take care of business. But regardless, the way it's going to work out is that we are assured of a playing game uh, between the 8th and the ninth seeded teams However, this ends up uh, between uh, these four remaining teams. Now, the eighth, uh, whoever's in the eighth seed only has to win once, and they automatically advance. The ninth-seeded team has to win two out of three against the eighth-seeded team, but they, uh, uh, but uh, I mean, not, not two out of three. They have to win uh, two games in a row against the eighth seed. The eighth seed just needs to win once. But the ninth seeded team has to win both games. Uh, so they got to win uh, two out of two, essentially. It's not two out of three. But, uh, yeah, to say the Blazers had no chance and that the Clippers eliminated them, I, I, I don't think these guys are even paying attention to the standings, to be perfectly honest. But, uh, yeah, the Blazers dropped the game that uh, they wanted to have back. Uh, they get they get the win today over the uh, Sixers. But uh, Memphis, uh, you know, not exactly a lock to be in that eighth seed. The Blazers could overtake them, be in the eighth seed, and then only have to win one game. Memphis actually has to win out uh, to make sure that they hold on to the eighth seed. So that's what's going on in the bubble right now. In terms of uh, so, some of these uh, other matchups, in the East, it doesn't really matter. Uh, in the West, people are wondering if the Blazers actually have what it takes to be able to give the Lakers trouble in a first-round matchup. I think regardless whoever ends up advancing uh, to face the Lakers is probably going to get swept. That's my realistic opinion, the way uh, the Lakers have been playing. you know, Unless, again, my concern with Anthony Davis is that when he actually shows up against teams with legitimate size. But that's why people think the Blazers could give uh, the Lakers trouble. They think the Blazers' size, AD is not going to handle it well. To me, the the Blazers' size doesn't play any defense, so that's actually one of the matchups where I think uh, Anthony Davis actually manages to uh, to do well. Uh, I would say it's more on the lines of if Anthony Davis had a matchup against a Rudy Gobert type, that's what it would really give. Uh, uh, AD a, 
a ton of trouble in the playoffs. But we're going to see. We're going to see soon enough uh, because, again, this is the final week of the NBA uh, regular season uh, coming up uh, starting Monday. And we're, we're going to get our pl- uh, playoff uh, matchups uh, come this weekend. So uh, yeah, this is uh, this is do or die time for these teams. So we're going to see how uh, it, it ends up shaping up. But uh, uh, qu- quite a bit of an interesting development in the bubble uh, with uh, how the Western uh, Conference is going to end up uh, shaking out because Memphis definitely slipped. Uh, the Pelicans, you know, again, I don't think the Pelicans had any true intentions of making it into the playoffs this year. I know folks were questioning Zion's minutes restrictions. You know, Zion looked good against the Spurs today, but my whole thing about the Pelicans was the Pelicans were nursing Zion along this entire year. And even when the bubble happened, they were still keeping him on a minutes restriction. So my opinion is they were never really truly serious about making a run for the playoffs to begin with. You know, they got afforded the opportunity and, you know, they used the time to kind of showcase to young players. But uh, the Pelicans, in my opinion, uh, were using this more along the lines of scrimmage, similar to how uh, the Washington Wizards operated this entire time in the bubble. So it is what it is. But uh, uh, entertaining games so far in the NBA. So if you haven't been watching the bubble games, I would highly recommend you start uh, checking uh, uh, checking in. Uh, you're not going to see nearly as many stars playing this week, but the games have been entertaining enough from a pickup basketball standpoint uh, to be a distraction uh, from a sports uh, landscape. So, uh, going to take uh, one more break, uh, uh, and we're going to get into some uh, uh, Champions League discussion as well as uh, uh, transfer news uh, uh, coming up in soccer. So, uh, stay tuned, folks, and we'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. The Fantasy Throwdown Podcast will be right back after our sponsors pay the bills. Welcome back to the show. Hope you got your popcorn ready. All right, we are back. Here's what I want you to do in terms of uh, what transpired in Champions League this weekend. I want you to take a break, go on YouTube, look up Leo Messi versus Napoli, and take a look at the goal Lionel Messi scored against four defenders falling down on his rear end and still scoring. My description of that goal doesn't do it nearly enough justice as to what the man actually accomplished. I don't care or pick a side between the Messi-Ronaldo discussion. All I can say is appreciate them both while they're still here because they won't be around for much longer, and it's been an honor and a privilege to actually watch them play the game of soccer. Bottom line. So... Like I said, you can pause this, go look up Messi's goal over the weekend against Napoli because that was insane. So, what actually happened in Champions League? We had the resumption of play after five months. Uh, the big matchup everyone was uh, focused on, and I certainly was focused on, was City versus Real Madrid. Could Real, after winning La Liga, could they make a comeback and take care of business uh, against City uh, uh, to advance to the quarterfinals of Champions League. They weren't. City played well. Raheem Sterling got on the board early. Uh, uh, Jesus uh, capped off another goal after Benzema scored. So uh, Manchester City uh, beat Real Madrid uh, 2-1. They advance on aggregate 4-2. So uh, uh, City is going to move on against, and this was uh, the other shocker, uh, Leon holds on uh, by away goals to beat uh, Juventus. Juventus wins the game 2-1, uh, uh, but Leon, because they got a penalty goal, uh, you know, that that's it. Uh, they, Leon uh, basically 
got the away goal they needed against Juve. Uh, uh, so Juve is going home. Ronaldo is not going to be happy. Uh, Juventus uh, fired their coach Mauricio Sarri, who last coached uh, Chelsea in the pr- Premier League last year. But it was a mess, uh, you know, uh, in terms of a game itself, uh, because Juventus desperately tried to break down for over a half hour left Leon's defense and couldn't get it done. It, it just wasn't happening, and as a result, they're going to end up going home uh, because of it. But uh, that sets up a matchup between uh, Manchester City and Lyon. But the remaining uh, teams left in Champions League, uh, we're going to get some interesting quarterfinal. We already had some interesting quarterfinal matchups already planned. Uh, You got Atalanta making uh, a deep run in the tournament against PSG. You've got the matchup everyone's focused on, in my opinion, uh, for, uh, for this quarterfinal round. You got Leipzig. Uh, who just sold Timo Werner to Chelsea uh, for a good bit of money, uh, uh, playing Atletico Madrid, who may be getting Alexander Lacazette from Arsenal. That sale hasn't happened yet, but that seems to be the indication uh, of where uh, things are going. Uh, they, uh, they, uh, Atleti also may have Hamas as well. So uh, very interesting developments there. And then, uh, you know, the colossal matchup uh, coming up on Friday uh, that, you know, Thursday is a big match between Leipzig and Atleti, but the biggest matchup uh, of the quarterfinal rounds, uh, Barcelona versus Bayern Munich. Uh, Bayern took care of business uh, against Chelsea, which, again, the, the first leg, uh, uh, Bayern dominated so much that, you know, the, the second leg really didn't matter all that much. But, uh the Bayern uh, is looking in fine form. Barcelona, uh, Barca hasn't won anything this year, really. Uh, you know, a lot of criticism between Messi and uh, other members in the Catalan uh, that they, you know, are getting old and can't get it done anymore. This this is Barca's uh, chance to shut everyone up. But I'm very much curious about uh, that matchup, see how it goes. And then, as I said... Uh, City versus Lyon. Uh, we're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, with uh, some of these teams uh, just how uh, things go along because uh, uh, they're they're playing in Lisbon. You know, single elimination now. Uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna find out uh, uh, what some of these teams are gonna be made of because you know uh, again they only got a little bit of warm up time and they were in on individual leagues. Uh, you know, again, PSG, long layoff because League One was already canceled outright. Uh, so they did; they had the least amount of warm-up time compared to some of these other clubs. So we're going to see. We're going to see how some of these teams perform. But very interesting uh, dynamics in play here uh, for Champions League uh, with some matchups that I, I think uh, folks are, are going to be uh, very much uh, curious as to how uh, things are lining up. So, as I mentioned, uh, for the Premier League, there's still a number of transfer news that are still on the table here. Uh, one transfer uh, that's not a transfer, it's, uh, uh, that it's all but confirmed now, uh, William uh, going from Chelsea to Arsenal is all but a done deal on a free transfer, so no uh, transfer fees paid by Arsenal, but... Uh, Expected to be a three-year deal. Uh, financial terms still not official yet, but uh, it's in the range of uh, uh, considered to be 100 million pounds. We're gonna see. Uh, you know, I'm not that big a fan of William, uh, to be perfectly blunt. But you know, he does bring some creativity in the midfield when motivated, which is a big question mark because, again. William and motivation in Chelsea were few and far between. So I'm not exactly sure how Arsenal is going to uh, make that work. You know, Arteta, uh, Arteta is going to have his hands full. Uh, that's uh, that's all I can say uh, in terms of uh, uh, so, some of the things that are going to be going on. Um, but uh, 
you know, the thing that doesn't really work for Arsenal is the fact that Arsenal's the only team in the Premier League that asked for team of uh, players to take a, a wage cut. Every, you know, the Arsenal players outside of Mesodosal, who is persona non grata, um, uh, he was the only person that didn't agree to a wage cut. The players took a twelve and a half percent wage cut in April, in the middle of the pandemic, because they thought it was going to safeguard jobs within the football club. That's what they were told. Turns out, Arsenal puts out a press release saying that there are 55 job redundancies. Redundancies. That, that means they're, they're firing 55 people. And now bringing in more players. So, William making 100,000 pounds a week. Again, uh, you know, uh, not official, but at least 100,000 pounds a week. You know, it... Uh, Obama Yang's going to get a contract extension too, but you know, this again is uh, troubling to the players because they're firing a number of scouts as well. Some of whom brought in the fact that uh, 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 some of these uh, people were brought in by these same scouts and some of the jobs of the people getting fired, you know, you're talking about wages that are less than, 40,000 pounds a year. So the math of uh, what Arsenal's trying to say of they're saving money doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Arsenal's essentially firing people for the sake of uh, sa- saving a few pounds, but they paid 72 million pounds for Nicolas Pepe uh, less than a year ago. You know, I, I don't think... Uh, this is a case of uh, Arsenal saying that they're going to be fiscally responsible. I think Arsenal was planning to let some of these people go from the old regime anyway, but are now trying to use the pandemic as an excuse to to justify firing people. And, you know, trying to upsell this as if we don't fire people, we're not going to be able to sign new players. It, it, it's it's foolish because uh, anyone that's being realistic and looking at the finances can see that these job cuts are a drop in a bucket compared to the transfer budget of what is happening. And again, re- with respect to the Ozil question, getting Ozil off the books would be more of a job uh, 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 job redundancy creator than firing these people because Ozil is making uh, 350,000 pounds a week and is not playing football. Uh, again, easy scapegoat because part of that is on... Uh, uh, part, part of it is, is uh, you know, scapegoating Ozil, but, you know, uh, this is uh, a case where... You know, it could be the fact that Ozil realized that the club was being full of it and we're going to cut uh, uh, cut people regardless of whether or not he took a pay cut. And he said, no, I'm not doing it anyway. But, you know, the fact that uh, you put out a 500-word statement saying why you had to justify firing people within the football club on the heels of right before the eve of signing a bunch of players in the transfer window rings about as hollow as it possibly could ring. I I can't be any clearer than that. As an Arsenal supporter, this was, this is absolutely foul, stank, whatever you want to like all the rants I do against MSG. uh, And MSG is probably doing similar uh, uh, job cuts. It's just that they're not, putting out PR statements saying that it's uh, due to the pandemic and they absolutely have to do it. Uh, this is uh, this is just a, a, an absurd way of going about it. Stan Kroenke is a billionaire in his own right, and not to mention he's married to uh, one, of the Wal- uh, uh, one of the owners of Walmart. It's not like he's hurting for money, but, you know, again... It, it it is what it is, but in terms of PR disasters, 
this is pretty high up there because you're signing a bunch of uh, players and cutting uh, staff that's a pittance of what you're signing these players for. Doesn't make any sense. You know, doesn't make any sense. Uh, the math, no matter how they try to justify it, uh, to justify saying that uh, cutting on the redundancies is going to balance uh, balance a budget. There's no there's no feasible way you could say that for straight face. So again, uh, poor look on Arsenal. Poor look on uh, the Premier League in general, uh, because our, our Arsenal is the only club doing this. And most of the other clubs found ways of getting around it. Arsenal just found a way to be incredibly petty about this. So uh, that's my take on it. Uh, we're going to uh, wrap up the show with another update on college football. Because, you know, once again, everything that I've been talking about for college football has been ignored. And now, now, months later... The college football landscape is uh, the Power Five conferences seem to be making a power play against the NCAA, and they're in action. Because over the weekend, the MAC football conference became the first FBS conference to postpone uh, fall sports this year. We still have had no further traction from a Power 5 conference or the NCAA as to how this college football season is going to play out. We had the Pac-12 players essentially form a, not official, but an informal union to address their concerns with the Pac-12 commissioner about their concerns about playing football this year. The, the conference call on Saturday did not go well, mainly because... The Pac-12 uh, representatives were pretty much being disingenuous. We're a month out from football playing. The players are coming to you with concerns about what the safety protocols are going to be and what the testing regimen is going to be, and your responses will get back to you at a later date. How many months into the pandemic are we at this point? And we're going to get back to you is the response you're going to give? Like, there actually needs to be protocols in place. College football doesn't actually have anything announced yet as to what they're going to do. They're just assuming the players are going to play. Now, I know that there are players that are going to want to play. I mean, obviously, uh, players want to play. You had uh, earlier uh, today... Uh, Trevor Lawrence and uh, the quarterback of Clemson, Josh Fields, the quarterback of Ohio State, put out joint messages of we want to play. But, you know, for all you folks on Twitter that keep saying, oh, you know, you can't cancel the season. These players want to play. The players want to play, but they also want to have representation as a union. Now, they're not asking for to be getting the compensation, at least the pact, uh, the Big Ten and uh, the SEC players aren't asking for the compensation the Pac-12 uh, was asking for, but they are asking for representation. And what people seem to just uh, ignore is asking for the representation and just asking, focusing on the hashtag, we want to play. They want to play while actually being able to be safe. The fact that uh, the NCAA still doesn't actually have a game plan in place when we're a month out from college football technically having to start, is absurd. Like, basically, they're expecting these players to just try it out there and, you know, hope for the best that they uh, don't have infection. Now, for those who trying to argue that the infection rates are so low for these athletes that they shouldn't have to worry about it, again, they're not being paid to play. They are student-athletes. The students on campus aren't being asked to being forced to be on campus. So again, opting out shouldn't result in loss of scholarship, which is happening, by the way, for other players. So again, the fact that there seems to be a segment of the population that is more transfixed on being able to have college football this weekend, uh, on weekends uh, in the fall, than actual, you know, emphasizing wearing a mask, 
following proper protocols, you know, again, is part of the reason why we're in this mess to begin with. The fact that the, uh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, calling him a governor is a, is a joke, but uh, Tate Reeves, the governor of Mississippi, the only reason why he put out a mask mandate in Mississippi this week is because he cited the possible loss of college football in the fall as a rationale for his decision-making process. Buddy, this was being discussed as a concern for the South months ago. You putting out a mask mandate months after the fact of when it was really needed in the South, I don't know what else to say. The, the, The cluelessness that we have in all parts of the country right now, I want to see sports as much as anybody else. But we've done such a, I, I, I'm trying not to cuss. It, it, it's so unbearably moronic how we've handled everything that, of course, we're going to cost ourselves sports uh, in a fall. I don't see any rational way you can have college sports safely done without putting scores of players and staff at risk of catching COVID-19 because you don't even have formal safety protocols in place. Uh, you know, the reason why the Power 5 conferences are having emergency calls today is because now the, the, they realize that they're running out of time and the players are talking up the fact that why can't we actually have any details as to the protocols? You know, postponing uh, fall sports until the spring is the most logical way of going about this. The fact that the NCAA couldn't come to this decision months ago shows pretty much that the Power 5 conferences are running the show at this point. But the problem is is that as long as the Power 5 conferences are running the show but have no actual game plan as to how to run things, we're in this idiotic quandary where... We should be able to uh, uh, get a, uh, have sports at a certain date, but you know, trying to force something through and then shutting it down, A, puts everyone at an extreme risk, and B, if they expect players to just blindly sign a COVID waiver, I'm sorry, that ship has sailed and it's going to get blown up on Twitter. This is just, uh, this is an absolute cluster you-know-what of a situation for college football. And it's something that, I'm sorry, I've been talking about for months, and we're now into August, and they're still not even remotely close to getting anything substantively done. The season's basically over at this point. You you know, they can try to do this conference-only scheduling. They've screwed this up so horribly that I can't see it happening. And, you know... The fact that they couldn't even figure out what to do for football, uh, I, I'm not even going to even bother talking about uh, college basketball because, you know, the, 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 the lack of even having some semblance of decision-making, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a wrap. It, it's basically a wrap at, at, as far as I'm concerned because they don't necessarily have, uh, they, 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 you know, they don't have a clear message as to how they're going to go about it. The players want to play, but they want to play with certain protocols. But the problem is, is that they don't actually have a case of updating any protocols. It's I, what have these college presidents been doing for the past couple of months? I. I, I I need to be a fly on the wall for some of those conversations because eventually the stories are going to leak. But I really think some of these college presidents thought that this uh, virus was going to go away. That's my honest opinion because the fact that they didn't want to actually pay up any money for safety protocols in advance to prepare for this season shows you where their mindset was at in that they wanted to maintain their athletic budget and not do any budget cuts. Now you're at risk of losing uh, your entire season's and billions, uh, uh, the, the billions that are technically tied to college football, which aren't really billions, but well, we're going to get into that uh, uh, again at a later date. Uh, but from a fiscal responsibility standpoint, 
they they have screwed up their budgets royally by not even preparing for the worst case scenario. And now we're we are where we are. So sorry for ending the episode on a downer, but I needed to get, get that one last point across because it's late at night and I'm I'm still mad, uh, mad as hell about this because it's beyond idiotic that uh, that college football is at risk of getting canceled outright because they couldn't even try to put together a, a, a reasonable game plan. And again, uh, I said this from the outset. The reason why you can't really... I like, I at least thought they would have a game plan. But the, the problem is, is that uh, the liabilities aspect of not having unpaid workers being forced to play at risk of losing a scholarship is is never going to go over well and it's a is a ripe court case to happen. The fact that college football is uh in this meandering position without actual game plan of written safety protocol measures that are being taken at every university. Some universities might be fine like Clemson. Clemson may actually ha- be fine, but that doesn't necessarily mean that things are all swell at Mississippi State. You know, again, Unity by the NCAA is what's needed, but there's nothing but chaos right now. So that's what's going to do for the show tonight. I got to wrap things up, but thanks for listening and stay tuned because we have more sports on tap uh, this week and heading into next weekend. So uh, take it easy, folks, and have a good night. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and all other major outlets. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.